everyone, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies podcast series for authors. I'm Deborah Carney, your host, and I'm joined today by Marianne Reed. Hi, Marianne. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, too. I like the break from the heat that we finally got here in New York City. Oh, my God. It's been quite quite the adventure the last week. Um, Now, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Absolutely. Um, I am an author published by St. Martin's Press. I have five novels published by St. Martin's. And I've also written for Glamour, Newsweek, and a lot of my books have received great publicity from CNN to NPR to the New Yorker magazine to CBS Early Show and many, many more media hits. And because of that, I was always asked about how did I do it, especially for novels, which is pretty difficult to get publicity for them. So I was giving away lots of free advice, but decided to actually turn it into a business that I have called booksandbuzz.com. And there I show writers who struggle with getting attention how to increase their visibility and attract media opportunities and publishers. I love it. I love the name of the I love the name of the company, Books and Buzz. That's just awesome. <laughs> Thanks. How did you come up with that? Just because you were one day you were talking about it and and boom there it was? I wish it was that easy, but no. Um, and I think it's a great question because no one has ever asked me that before. But I didn't know what to focus my business on. I didn't know if I should focus it on helping people guiding them through the publishing process and teaching them and training them about publishing and how they can succeed or start a business coaching authors on getting publicity. So I said, why not just do two-in-one books and buzz? I like it. I like it because first you have to know how to get published, but then after that you, you have to know how to get PR. And many, many of our listeners do not know anything about PR. So oh, great. Um, <laughs> great and not so great at the same time, <laughs> well, but that's exactly. why I'm here. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, you know, if you can give us some uh, hints and, tr- and tricks to get started, then I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll want to go over to your site and see what you have available there. So um, mm-hmm. for an author, that's, that's what, are, what are some of the first things that you talk, ask an author when they call you and, and inquire about your services? I ask them what are they already doing, and I get to know from there how far they're willing to go and how much they're willing to stretch out of their comfort zone. So I usually like to know what they're working with and how is it working for them. Mm-hmm. As far as in the publishing area, or because you help with both, right? You you do both coaching, right? I do. I, I coach. Um, I coach, and whether it's getting them published or coaching them on what to do after the book is published. And after, it's usually a, like a 20-minute getting acquainted call that I usually do if people are interested in, in working with me. So once I'm able to get an idea of where they're, where they're at, I help them, and I help them get out of their comfort zone. I help them get away from the computer and (laughs) social media and really get out in the world, create a big, fat promise to their audience, and find a way to deliver that promise. So it's no longer about, you know, how I can get, you know, people to buy my book, but 
how can you get people to champion for you? How can you get people connected to a larger cause? So it's not just, you know, how to sell my book, but also how to sell yourself. And and that's a really good point because a lot of, you know, authors, yeah, they have their book to sell, but people want to read their book because they get to know the author through the book and they want to know more about the person who wrote it. You know, um, I haven't done a lot of reading lately, but I always know that I like to know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, like when, when Judith Krantz came out with her novels oh so many years ago, um, you know, when she was already over 50, I was fascinated because I read the novels first and then I found out that she was over 50. And at the time I was like 30 or something. And she was like, you know, that was like my idol. I'm like, how can you, how can you start being a successful writer that late in life? And it was a fascinating story for me, and it made me more connected to her. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of writers don't have role models that they're, they're looking to. Um, what, they, what they usually go to, and we're talking about the problems here, which is, you know, a good way to start so that people can identify with this. Mm-hmm. That it's you know social media is free. It's comfortable. You're at home. If somebody doesn't click, it's not a major rejection. And and if anyone is, is promoting their book just using social media, then I think they may not be ready to be published because that world is full of rejection. That that is true. That uh, that's very true. And I've talked to a lot of authors lately that have come up with some very creative ideas and ways to get out into um, bookstores. And one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is, you know, go to your local independent bookstore. You know, those ones that are closing because nobody's coming to them anymore. You know, go there and offer to do a book signing or a reading and and see if uh, you know if that's something they're interested in. Yeah, I think that that's one way of doing it, you know, really getting yourself comfortable in front of people. So I tell my clients, you know, I'm always talking about increasing their visibility so they can attract opportunities effortlessly so that they're not, like, pushing so hard so that opportunities, like media opportunities, can come to them. So when I say increasing their visibility, I'm talking about also doing speaking engagements, doing live workshops, uh, writing articles, really stepping out of your comfort zone, maybe even causing a little bit of controversy, maybe making a claim, maybe doing some research about the themes in your book and seeing how what you're writing about applies to everyday life and turning themselves into experts. That's really great because, even you know, Obviously, a lot of nonfiction authors want to be seen as an expert, but a fiction author author can do the same thing. You know, you can research where you you know where you have your characters, who your characters are, and where they came from, and become an expert about that place or you know the history or whatever uh, encouraged you to make that um, the, a scene in your book and and where you know, where that came from, um, that you decided to be in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I'm a fiction author. And so that's what I, I think 
if you know how to do it in fiction, you can do it in any kind of other genre, whether it's nonfiction or memoir or what have you. And with my fiction books, I was able, with my third book published by St. Martin's Press, I was able to actually take us a fake story and make it a real life event. So I created a promise to my reader. So the story was based about a wedding, about these three sisters getting married by a certain date. And I said, well, why not create a promise to my audience that I can get them married, that I can give them a wedding? And I created a huge media blitz when I offered to do an all-expenses-paid wedding for 10 random couples with kids. Wow. And, yeah, and I actually fulfilled the promise, and they got married, and... It's, I'm not hearing the end of it. I still get phone calls from the media about it, and I got over 20 million media impressions. So that's insane. That's insane. Uh, But you also invested, you know, I mean, you invested a lot of money into that, but you got. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't spend a dime. That's what I tell my, my clients. If your promise is big enough, if you're willing to stretch out of your comfort zone, People will want to support your promise. So I was able to get free wedding dresses, free wedding cakes, free rings, free everything because of the publicity. And everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon and go on this love dream journey with me. And I sold tons of books. I suddenly became an expert because one of the social issues I was promoting was um, how to strengthen two-parent households because the characters in my book uh, were, were, you know, single moms or whatever. So I wanted to do a wedding where couples lived together but weren't married, and I wanted to offer them a way to strengthen that household through marriage. So that's a big social issue, and then the media kind of swarmed around the outer wedlock issue and marriage, and it just took off. That's that's awesome, and and you are right. And I should have realized as soon as you said it that you probably had sponsorship for everything. Because yeah. I, you know, but it's good for for our listeners to hear that and to not just make the assumption, because in their minds they they would probably be thinking the same way I was that oh well you know she yeah. had a hundred thousand dollars to spend on these ten weddings and I don't have no. that kind of money and you Absolutely. didn't either so. <laughs> um, but exactly. I mean, to be honest with you, I spent $117 at Party Central for tablecloth. <laughs> I love it. And you couldn't get, you got all this really expensive stuff donated and you couldn't get tablecloths from Party Central. <laughs> Such is life. Look at the opportunity that they missed. <laughs> I love it. But, and, you know, I mean, I don't know how... Uh, uh, Apparently, you're a very outspoken person, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, that's what it takes. And uh, like you said, a lot of writers are shy. So yeah. you need to find out, you know, what your job is, is to find out what their strengths or weaknesses are and to play on their strengths and help them get over their weaknesses. Absolutely. Um, I consider myself an introvert uh, who is extroverted when need be, but I do like my alone time, and I don't really like to be the center of attention always. Mm -hmm. But I realize if I'm writing this book, there are millions of people, if not thousands of people, that I'm not reaching. And 
how can I not only shortchange myself, but also shortchange them? Someone who could life, you know, could be changed or enhanced or maybe whatever. Because you have to believe that you have something of value to give. And once I talk to my clients about that, about the audience they can attract, about the message that really can help change lives, they see it in a bigger way. They see it bigger than themselves and something that they can really do. And that's, you just hit it right on the head, is that every book that's written is sharing some kind of emotion, some kind of, whether it's science fiction, fantasy, nonfiction, memoir, you know, like you said, any genre at all, fiction, nonfiction, you know, way out space, outer space fantasy, there's still a human connection that you can be made during the writing of that book. There's a there's a reason that book was written and it wasn't just for the writer to put stuff on paper. It, there is a message in every book. Yes, absolutely. And you are the one who pulls that out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people, when I ask them to tell me about their book, they want to give me a paragraph, what it's about. That's not going to sell a book to a major publisher. If it can't be summed up in, a, in one sentence, it's not high concept enough. So we work on really clarifying what the book is about, clarifying the message, and looking at social issues and things that they're interested in and, and associations and, and article ideas and platform building techniques that can really increase their visibility because they need the help because if most of your time is spent on the computer because you're shy or you're lazy, let's just admit it. Some people are lazy. Yeah, that's And true. the other half just doesn't have the time because they work so many hours. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with that... Sometimes it just takes it takes me to really inspire them enough to, to help themselves so that they can out of that perpetual cycle. You know how it goes. It's like around and around. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's no kind of elevation in their work or in their in their book. Yeah, they just and again, you have such creative ideas. I mean, you've already done creative things with your own books. That, um, you know, it's a talent to be able to look at other people's books and see what the author doesn't see and because you're not as close to the story and to see what kind of publicity things might be the things they need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also think that, you know, your point about, um, you know, leading workshops or um, speaking, you know, once you have a book, you have already put yourself in front of the world. Uh And even though you did it behind a paper and a computer, you're already out there. They're already reading it. They're already, you know, accepting or rejecting it. So you might as well take that next step and be out in front of them in person. Absolutely. And a lot some of my clients, when I first met them, they would say things like, well, Jackie Collins, you know, she didn't need to, you know, go out there and she didn't need to do this. Or, you know, Dan Brown, you know, he, you know, these people didn't need to put themselves out there. All they did was write and they became bestsellers. <laughs> but, you know, or, you know, J.D. Salinger, you know, those people. And I'm saying, look, the audience expectations, even 10 years later, even 15, 20 years later, is so much different now. Yep. People are, right, people are expecting to really, they're expecting more from you and they want to see you and connect with you. It can be a little monster, too, if it's, 
and you have to be able to control it and become become one with it if you really want to book breakthrough. That's that's really great advice. I like the little monster. <laughs> control <laughs> control the little monster that's either keeping you at home or you know whatever your fear is. Just just yeah. control it and overcome it, and go yeah. one step at a time. I'm sure you don't you know come out and tell people, oh, okay, so this is what I want you to do. I lined up five speaking engagements, three <laughs> writers workshops, and I want you to go across the country to do a book signing. You know, I mean, that's not yeah. how it goes. No, that's not how it goes. And, you know, I also have people who come to me as clients who, have, who haven't written a book yet. And I have a, a, a program called Sell It Before You Write It. And I actually teach people how to sell their book to their audience and potentially to a publisher before a book even exists. So that's really exciting for me. And that's something that people can find on the internet, or that's something you do in person. That's something they could find at booksandbuzz.com. And in New York City, I also have a meetup group where once a month I hold live workshops about it. So if they're interested, they can go to meetup.com and sign up for Sell It Before You Write It meetup group. I will be there. What day of the week is it on? It's usually the third Monday of every month. Okay. Or the second Monday, yeah. I am going to go look that up. Oh, great. We just had one um, about a couple of days last week. Oh, no, it was this Monday at the Grand Hyatt. Okay. It was fantastic. Yeah, we have a local meetup group for um, the main industry I'm in, which is Internet Marketing. And um, there's a major conference that's here in August and once a year in Las Vegas. And in between, there were so many people that go to the conference that wanted to start meeting people on a local level in a smaller group setting that, you know, we have a meetup group that meets the fourth Tuesday or the last Tuesday of, of oh. every uh, month in Manhattan. So. Um, I I totally agree with you that, you know, you're having meetups that are on this topic, but just to get to know the people and to know that there's other people like you that are in your situation Mm -hmm. helps you to come out of your shell and helps you to be, you know, not so worried about things. Absolutely. And it's me. I'm also, I also want to be able to, do the things that I tell my clients to do. So if I'm telling you that you need to get off the computer, you need to be in front of people, then I have to do that too because it's very easy for me to be on LinkedIn and get clients from LinkedIn. I, I do get clients from LinkedIn, but I want I want to go to another level in my business. So I encourage my clients to do the same for, for their books. Right. Um, do you have any upcoming speaking engagements other than your meetup groups? Well, right now we're working on the calendar for 2013, so I won't okay. have any definite dates um, right now. But I'll be I'll be listing them listing them on my website booksandbuzz.com in the next coming months. Okay. But for now, the meetup group is something that I do on a continuous basis. Okay. Um, now, I kind of skipped over the the other thing that you do, which is coaching them to uh, coaching writers. Um, that already wrote something, and what do you recommend to them about publishers? Like, I'm sure that there are some that you would push toward traditional, some toward small press, and some toward indie? 
Um, well, most of my, most of the, the, I usually push them towards traditional only because I like for them to start at the top. And mm-hmm. the top for some people is really scary feeling. <laughs> so I see, I see no problem shooting for the top, getting the agent is free, it doesn't cost anything. And if they want, at the same time, they can explore the small publisher on their own or they can explore self-publishing on their own. I encourage them really to don't leave, you know, any doors unopened. Okay. And I know a lot of people that, um, a lot of authors that I have interviewed in the past few weeks have brought up the fact that going through the traditional publishing um, process you know, whether they ended up self-publishing or going with a small press has did help them because they had to do the things like the query letter and, mm-hmm. you know, go to the agent and find an agent and, and have, um, you know, get the rejection letters, but that not every rejection letter was a standard rejection letter. Some of them were very helpful. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. I think that's great. And I think once the, you start the process, you'll see yourself growing. So you could use those rejection letters to, to, to fix the next draft of your book. But if you're doing the self-publishing route, you're not going to have the benefit of that expertise and that feedback from publishers. You're just going to go out there and, and just see if it, if it's, you know, if it works. And right. I still get those clients and I tell them, look, before you even go the self-publishing route, if you're really focused on that route, let's work on a way you can sell your book before you even spend the money. So we work on getting, building their platform, doing the speaking engagements, the article writing, and, and different ideas that I have for them that's very specific to their book. So I technically, I teach them how to you know, romance their audience, making promises and making them feel good and different techniques that will help them build that fan base so that when they're able to self-publish, they have a whole bunch of people clamoring to buy their book. I like that. Um, And one of the other things in talking to people who have been self-published, another thing is that uh, the ones that are able to do it successfully have a very big support group of people that they know that are professional editors, that are, you know, professional book cover makers, and that are professional um, fact checkers and, you know, different, different types of things. And they actually, because of where they are in their life and who they know, they actually have everything that a big publisher would have. And those are the people that are the most successful. Somebody that just takes a book you know, has a few family friends read it and tosses it up on, you know, Kindle as an ebook. you might right. be successful, you know, you might be successful, but chances are it's just going to sit there. So, I mean, they don't call it vanity press for nothing. Right. You know, and that's how I like to see it. I, um, a lot of people are self-publishing or using, uh, you know, other kind of publisher just because they want to see their book in print. And right. So that wouldn't be my ideal client. Right. Well, and, and I think that's important for people to know also that if they if they want to go to the traditional publishing route and they don't have any contacts yet and they don't know any agents, that you're the kind of person that can help them get through that maze. 
Yes, absolutely. So when they work with me, we come up with a strategy, uh, whether it's a PR action plan, whether it's a marketing plan, any kind of strategy that pertains to their book. So we work exactly where they are, whether it's book strategy and consultation or proposal development. We work on that until they either get an agent or get published. And we usually do that in my six-month program. So to work with me, most of my clients have to commit to six months because that's how long it takes. And, and many of them re-sign for another six months. I, li- I like that because, you know, I mean, you didn't write your book in a day <laughs> unless right. you're somebody who's like really extra, you know, you, you, I, don't, I don't think it's possible to write like a whole novel in one day unless you went, you know, one day you just didn't sleep for a week. Um, right. And mm-hmm. at which case, by the time you got to the end of it, it probably needs some heavy editing anyway. So if you've mm-hmm. taken six months or a year or two years even to write your book, you should understand that it should take you, you should invest that same amount of time in getting it to press and getting it to press the way it should be gone to press. Absolutely. If you're really interested in increasing your sales, clarifying your message, and stepping out there in a big way, including building personal relationships with the media that help develop your expert status, you know, if you really need the time uh, to do that because you need to build consistency and persistency to see results. And I also help clients with launching and relaunching their books. So a lot of people may have tried to do it on their own and they've given up. So they want to relaunch their book. So we work on strategies for that too. Well, and I think that, um, like, for somebody like me, I took something that my son wrote, and I created a self-published book about it, or uh, based on the story, and through just the experience of having done that, and then through the experience of talking to other authors and talking to people like you, I'm learning the elements that were not in the book yet, because it was a draft that I took over and you know reworked a little bit and now i'm hearing things that you know it it isn't just it shouldn't just me be taking his manuscript and turning it into a book it should be me perfecting the book and working on it and i know there's sequels so to your point i need to build an audience and i might want to try and take it to a major publisher if i know now that there is a message in the books and that there is a message that I want to convey and that, you know, the story behind them is, is strong enough to, to try and go forward with them. Right, and that, that would also help whatever that message is connect to other parents, other children, and develop your profile, your platform, and increase your visibility. So it's an issue of, you know... It's, it's an issue of saving money and time and everything like that because when you do it on your own, you, you tend to spend more time and you tend to spend more money with all different kinds of resources. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, to, 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 to the point of, of why that's not always, why that happens, because a lot of authors are not congruent with their books. So they spend a lot of money on the books because they think the books need fixing and reworking by other people while... They disconnect themselves from the book. So they may say, oh, well, you know, I'm a mechanic, but my book is about, you know, uh, uh, my book is about, you know, homeless children in, in the Middle East. 
So, but I'm like, okay, where is the congruency? So to really see the success in that book, you need to, I tell my clients, you need to find the congruency between you and your book. So it's not two stories anymore. It's just one story. So maybe that client who um, is writing the book about the homeless children in the Middle East, and they're, I think I said a mechanic, he needs to find what theme in his life matches the theme in that book so that he can communicate a larger message to his audience and attract an audience to him. Because people are not going to just want to read a book about homeless people in the Middle East from a mechanic unless they really know why he's, you know, written it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, I yeah, I'm being totally. clear. Yeah, yeah, you're being very clear. <laughs> you know, um, that's like, well, it's like me taking over my son's manuscript when I first did. It's a fantasy sci-fi thing, and I don't write fantasy sci-fi. I, I write creative nonfiction, or I take mm-hmm. real-life situations and fix, fictionalize them. You know, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't have those dark places in my mind where I can go to and, and write the really, mm-hmm. you know, gritty stuff. I'm always, my stuff is always has a happy ending and, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. is in a much different place. So if I try, that's why I'm having trouble selling the sci-fi fantasy because when I first started rewriting it and everything, I wasn't I wasn't enough invested in it. So uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. that's what you have to convince people of. And right. someone that just critiqued it for me said, "There's not enough emotion in the main character, and that the main character and the antagonist, you care equally about both of them." And I'm like, "Well, that doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to be rooting right. for you got to be rooting for the good guy. <laughs> right, right. And right. if there's no emotion, then that's you know. She finally told me that after several people, you know, told me that it was wonderful. Publish it, you know, people that I'm not related to, but and other writers, you know, they're like it's a great story. But I can also see in their mind that they were probably projecting things that another person wouldn't be projecting. Because their mind doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Exactly. Exactly. See, you can even pull things out of people when you're not in a not in a group. <laughs> yeah, to, and that feels good. Thank you. <laughs> you um you know, and, and that's that's why someone like you providing the service that you do is important because it's not just that you're doing something to make money. You're doing something because you believe in the writers that come to you and you mm-hmm. really want to make them succeed. Yes, I do. And that's why I don't work with everyone because if I really don't feel connected to to you or the story, I'm not and I don't see how I can help it, I won't take on someone as a client. So I really have to connect with the person. They have to connect with me so we can work Together, So my ideal client is usually someone who's very high achieving and also wants to turn their book into a business. That's my ideal client. Yeah. And and a book as a business is something that, you know, a lot of people sitting home writing their novels don't think about. You know, they just want to get this book out of their head and, and get it down so that they can, you know, because they're a storyteller. And it's fine to be a storyteller because, you know, some of us are really, really good storytellers and others not so much. And if you're a really good storyteller, tell your story, you know, get the book out of you. 
but then realize that if you want to be successful, you now have to take those characters. And I mean, look at J.K. Rowling. She didn't get rich just off the books. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> you know, she got rich off of all the stuff she created around the books. Yes. You know, so glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's Harry Potter everything now, and <laughs> it, I had to right. share. I had to share a funny story because um, my boyfriend is like in his forties, and he's never had kids. And um, I had kids that were, you know, read the whole series of, of Harry Potter books, and we were walking. We were walking in a park. And there was a father and daughter that were walking by, and the daughter said, so, Dad, do you really think there are muggles in the world? And, you know, does this, like, does the magic wand really do, you know, really do this particular thing? And he turned, my boyfriend turned around and looked at me and said, what happened? <laughs> where, where is, who's, who asked their parents that? And I said, parents that read Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said these are you know they create not only did she create a whole new world for herself, but she created a whole new you know kids talk to their parents about the world that she created right, exactly, yes, yes, it's like a whole it's it's almost like she created another dimension, and also she probably created and helped facilitate. A lot of child parent bonding because yes. a lot those books are long. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes you know the parent has to read the book to the child at night, and it, it, it's quality time. It's 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 time spent discussing, you know, something different besides TV and in what happened at school today, but something larger that stretches the imagination. Yep. Exactly. And mm-hmm. yeah, I I cheated. My sons and I used to travel a lot, so we put uh-huh. them in the we we bought the audiobooks unabridged, <laughs> unabridged, and wow. put them in the car while we were traveling and would listen and you know discuss them while we were while we were oh, traveling. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. traveling. Yeah, because reading in a car is bad. I've learned the hard way. Yeah, especially if the driver's doing it. That's that's not a good idea. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but I can listen to an audiobook, and I learned fast never to buy an, an abridged audiobook. I, I did that for an author that writes very long, detailed books, and I bought the I bought an audio version of it, and it was only an hour and a half. And I'm like, it takes me 10, 12 hours to read one of his books. What do you mean you're going to mm-hmm. read me the whole thing in an hour and a half? And I started listening after I had, you know been looking at the book in a bookstore actually I I probably bought the hardcover and I just wanted to listen because it was easier and Mm -hmm. I'm like they just skipped over a whole bunch of stuff yeah so um anyway interesting a little off topic (laughs) sorry about that but that's okay (laughs) well and it also goes along with um you recommending what formats people should put their book in is that something that you do as well is you know how should they be published? Should they be hardback? Should they be digital? Should they be audio? Well, I, I sort of get them more into the just exploring the best way. So we usually just look at traditional. That's like 80% of my clients want to be traditionally published. Mm-hmm. And the other percent don't want that. They want to do it on their own. So I do convince 
I do my best to convince everyone to try the traditional route because, you know, there's this myth out there that that industry is dying. But the truth is, is that they're catching up uh, finally to this whole ebook craze and they're doing it bigger and better than, than other digital or just as good as digital publishers. And this whole myth that the industry is dying is stopping people from pursuing it. So that makes more room. Oh, so good point. this is the opportunity, this is the time to seek a traditional publisher. That that's a really good point. And mm-hmm. not only and traditional publishers don't want to go the way that the music companies did, the labels that, you know, mm-hmm. got all you know, they got overwhelmed and they ignored it. You know, if you're right. in the publishing industry and you're one of the top players, you of course don't want to lose your revenue, which means you need to keep up with the way people are consuming information now. So if someone mm-hmm. wants to read on a Kindle or on a Nook or someone, you know, because it, we spend half our lives not at home anymore, you know, we're always mm-hmm. at the beach or at the doctor's office or at the, you know, on the way to wherever, um, time on planes and all that kind of thing. Um, if people want to have their book collection, the entire collection on, a, on an electronic device, so be it. And um, I think the publishing houses just needed time to realize that this is just a new way people want to consume information. Right. And, yep, and they have. And and now they're full-fledged, moving forward, and keeping up. That's awesome. Well, you know, this has been a really great discussion, Marianne. I appreciate so much that you came on our podcast and talked about Books and Buzz. Uh, I will definitely, you know, when we get the show notes up, we will be sending people to booksandbuzz.com. And um, if, if you had any last parting thoughts that you would give our listeners, what would it be? I would tell them to definitely dream a bigger dream for their book. Uh, to step out of their comfort zone, come up with a promise to their audience that sounds a little scary. And if it does, that means that it's media attractive. That's that's a a good point. (laughs) The media doesn't (laughs) like anything safe. They want something different. Right. They want something different. And if if, if, if they're looking for tools, free advice, free e-books, and free steps and tips on how to do this. They can go to booksandbuzz.com, sign up, and they can get access to all the free content-rich resources. That's awesome, Marianne. Thank you so much. Um, and for all of our listeners that are listening on iTunes, Marianne just told you where to go. And I also want to invite you to come to bookgoodies.com. And do a search for Books and Buzz and find the podcast and make any comments, ask questions. And also, if you're an author or a service for authors, if you can go um, to bookities.com and in the top navigation, you'll see a Contact Us form that will allow you to, you know, make suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover. And also, you know, ask to be a guest yourself. And we also have a tab for tell us about your book. So you can also submit your book information to us. And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at twitter.com slash bookgoodies and facebook.com slash bookgoodies. And that's I-E-S. 
And you can find me at DebraCarney.com or at um, on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Loxley, L-O-X-L-Y, like in Robin Hood, I'm Robin of Loxley. I help people get richer. <laughs> I don't take from the poor. I don't take from the rich, but I help the poor get richer. So, um, once again, thank you for your time. You've shared a lot of really valuable information. I know I'm going to check out your uh, both your your website and uh, plan to come to one of your meetups. And um, as always, we like to thank Geekcast.fm for hosting our podcasts. And everybody, keep writing and have a great day. Thank you.